Luke 8, starting at verse 26. And I'm going to read through 39. As you follow along, Luke 8, 26. Jesus and his disciples sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and he fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. And when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured and then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. And the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that uh, you would help us uh, this morning as we look at this uh, account in Scripture. Father, to to put ourselves in this guy's shoes and to understand how we relate to him, a man in bondage. And Father, so many of us are in bondage uh, or we know people in bondage and who are longing to be free and yet don't know how. Can't seem to find that freedom from what enslaves them or, or traps them or just keeps beating them down. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to the freedom that is in Jesus when it seems that there isn't any. So I give this time to you. 
Amen. Just to kind of pick up where Daniel started last week with a couple of questions. How does a person find God? Does it seem to you sometimes like God is hiding from you? That you have looked and longed for him only to end up where you began without God? And is it even possible for someone like you to find God? Is that maybe what's going through your mind or someone you know? Is it, is it even possible for someone like me to find God? Will God be found by you? Or is your addiction too deep or your bondage too binding for you to have the hope of finding God? How can you find God like you are? That's what I want you to be thinking about this morning as, as we're going through this story. Or how can you help someone else find God when it seems like they are incapable of finding him? So we're going to look at this story of Legion this morning together. And I want to ask a few questions. Who is this guy? And how did he become like this? as we kind of dig behind the story, I want us to ask ourselves, how did a guy become like this? And then why were people so afraid when he found God? It's interesting. As we come to the end of the story, and this guy who's absolutely been bound, and now he's free, the people are afraid and fearful. How did this man find God? Well, I believe it went something like this in digging behind the story. I believe that Legion was at one time a pig farmer also. He was one of them, the people of the Gerasenes. He wasn't always an outcast. He was, I believe, at one time, one of them. He lived among them and raised pigs with them, all the time knowing that he was doing it in disregard of God and his law, which decreed that pigs were to be unclean and were not to be among them or eaten by them. I don't think they were just keeping pigs as pets. And so maybe he had slipped so low as even to eat pig meat as he was farming his pigs. And so he was a rebellious, profane, godless, hard-drinking, hard-living, hard-partying type of guy until one day a good friend of his died in a pig farming accident. And it, it so shook him that he determined that he was going to reform, that he was going to change his pig farming, God-defying ways. And so he gave up pig farming. He stopped his hell raising, at least outwardly. He became a respectable, law-abiding member of the community, determined 
outwardly to change his behavior. But then, it's like out of the blue, it seems, he just went crazy. And nobody really knew what happened or why, but the rumors were that the outward changes he attempted were really only skin deep, that he never really transformed, truly transformed, only outwardly reformed, tried to change his behavior. And so, as the rumor went, it's like he became possessed by something overnight. And if you were to read Matthew 12, 43 to 45, we get a glimpse of how this might happen as it describes a, a demon going out of a man and wandering off and coming back and finding this individual's home unoccupied. They hadn't done anything to fill up what had been left empty. The individual probably thought, I'm just going to reform myself. I'm just going to change myself. And, and so emptied of the problem, the demon, it says, the spirit comes back and finds that this person tried to reform, tried to change themselves, but really was left empty. And so went and took seven spirits more wicked than itself to occupy this, this individual. And so his state became far worse than it ever was before. And so imagining this man who, seeing the air of his ways and trying to change himself, reform his ways, and yet not really being internally transformed, it seems like to the neighbors, all of a sudden he became just possessed overnight. He went from bad to worse. He went from being an individual who people were shocked by to, to an individual that people were scared about. And so he was arrested for something that he did, although he escaped, we see that, in Luke chapter 8 here, and then began living like a wild animal hanging out in the cemetery, daring anyone to mess with him. His bondage and sorry state, though, to the, to the people of the Gerasenes were like a constant reminder to them of their ongoing sinful pig-farming ways. Though they were quick, at this point, to dismiss the thoughts because he was obviously a crackpot, right? <laughs> running around, I mean, most people don't run around without clothes on. You all don't, at least outside, right? And... Um, you don't have to confess if you do. Um, so th even though he was this constant reminder, I mean, one of them, of, his, of their sinful pig farming ways, to them, he was, they, he, he was now labeled a madman, a crackpot, a crazy man. There was obviously something wrong with him now, Right? And yet, he had been one of them, hadn't he? And so his presence, although they tried to label him, was this ongoing reminder that at one time he was one of them. And that's what they were. 
But as we come to the end of the story, it says, but now he was changed again. But this time, for them, it was really scary because he got, not because he got worse, but because he got better. You know, as long as they were able to label him crazy or mad, it was manageable. Of course he was the way he was. It was his genes. It was chemicals in his brain, or it was some disease. But for him to be sitting before them cured, as it says in the text, or delivered, or whatever he was, that wasn't supposed to happen. People like him don't change. They can't change. It's the way they are. Isn't that the way we are in our world today so often? We label people. We have all kinds of labels. And in fact, maybe some of you have given yourself a label. Failure. Sinner. Liar. Addict. Well, it's certainly what Legion thought also. And we can see it in his response to Jesus when Jesus meets him. Do you remember? Jesus asked him, what is your name? Remember that? And what was his response? Benjamin? David? Josiah? No. Isn't it ever done on you? When Jesus says, what is your name? He says that his name is Legion. Legion is response because Legion is who he has become in his mind. We don't even know his name. In the text, we never see this guy's name. To him, he's become this label, Legion. What has bound him and what he's bound by. Everything about him has become Legion, like we put labels on people today. Addict. Bulimic. Anorexic. Alcoholic, liar, cheat, failure. Labels that say that is who the person is and cannot be changed. It is who they are. Is that you with me here? So Legion knows he can't change. He falls before Jesus asking, what do you want to do with me? Or what do you want with me? Please don't torture me. It's interesting. As Jesus comes to him, offering him deliverance, he knows he can't change. He said, what do you want with me? Don't torture me. It's like he's saying, I can't be free from this. Don't make things worse. but that he was different, as we see in the text, that he's free was obvious and it can't be denied. And that scared the people. It really scared them because the power that delivered Legion... Oops, switch my page before I finish reading. The power that delivered Legion at the same time exposed them. 
Why is that? Because as I shared at the beginning of the story, because it showed that they weren't so different from Legion. He wasn't so different from them. And that what brought true freedom to him is what could also bring true freedom to them. What helped Legion to find God could also help them to find God. A question that I want you to seriously think about this morning is, who are you? Who are you? How do you label yourself this morning? How do others label you? Who are you? Have you accepted a label put on you by others or by yourself that keeps you from finding God and experiencing the true freedom that is possible in Jesus? It's interesting, going back to Legion, if you remember, when he called out to Jesus, when he cried out to him, do you remember what he said? He said, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. That's quite a, quite a declaration, isn't it? Jesus, Son of the Most High God, he declared Jesus' authority and Jesus' power, while at the same time he denied that it was possible for him. What do you want with me? Don't torture me. Jesus, Son of the Most High God, with all authority and all power to help other people, but not me, not, not Legion. Isn't that what we do often? When we label ourselves, we see ourselves beyond his power to change and free and deliver. And so how do we who are in bondage, who have labeled ourselves or accepted a label that someone else has put on us, how do we who are in bondage find God and the freedom he offers how do we help others also find God in such freedom? A man by the name of Bill Gillum in a book called Life Guarantee, he says this and follow it. I'm going to read it quickly because it's, I want you to get this. It says, he says, the problem is you don't know what your problem is. You think your problem is your main problem, but that's not the problem at all. The problem is you don't know what your problem is and that's your main problem. You get that? It, that's profound. It's really important. The problem is you don't know what your problem is. Because you think your problem is your main problem, but that's not your problem at all. The problem is you don't know what your problem is and that's your main problem. To those of us who are here this morning with labels or labeling others, and we put labels to the anorexic or the, or the alcoholic or the addict, and we could go on and on to the gambler, to the liar, to the cheat, to the workaholic, to the labels that we put to any of us who are in bondage. And, and I was talking to somebody the other day, and... Um, and all of us, I believe, in some way, struggle with bondage. Some of us have accepted labels where we feel like legion, that we're unable to be freed. Jesus, the Son of the Most High God, can help 
somebody else but not me. To any of us who are in bondage, it means that our problem isn't what we think our problem is. It's not the main problem. It's not drinking alcohol or doing drugs or abusing eating or whatever. Our struggle is with misbeliefs or lies that cause our behavior. It's about our identity. That's a key word I want you to get. It's about our identity. It is in recognizing that who I am does not have to be about what I have been labeled. Or about my past, or about my parents, or about my failures, or my actions, or my feelings. But about who I am in Jesus Christ because of what he has accomplished for me. It's in recognizing like legion as we come to the end of this account in verse 38 and 39. It's in recognizing like legion that God has done great things for us. And I love these these last two verses. I'm going to read them again because it it says, The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with Jesus, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for I love those parallel phrases. It's a, it's a great declaration of Jesus being God right there. Jesus said, go tell how much God has done for you, and he went and told how much Jesus had done for him. So it's, in, it's, it's recognizing like legion how great things that God has done for us. For, for us who are in bondage, it's for us who have been labeled, not just for other people. And that if we take him at his word, we will find the freedom that he offers to be our reality, our identity, not just someone else's. You know, the the amazing thing is, is the word that's used here, the freedom that we find is a restoration to the original identity that God had in mind for us from the very beginning. The the word here where it says that he was cured, when they came and found him, that he was cured, in the NIV and in the NASB it translates it made well, in other translations it says saved. The word is a word we've used before, it's the word, it's sozo. And literally, it's, it's, in, in Luke 19.10, it says, the Son of Man came to seek and to sozo, restore, deliver, heal, save what was lost at the fall. When sin entered the world, that's why Jesus came. He came to sozo, to restore us back to God's original created identity in his image. That's why Jesus came. God created us in his image and sin distorted and defiled, profaned that image in us. And so we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus came to restore that image in us, that identity, that original identity in us. Our true identity. So why do we not find God's freedom that he offers us in Jesus 
Why do maybe you not find that freedom to be your experience? And I think it's like legion. It's because we believe the labels instead of the truth. We've come to believe the labels that the world puts on us or the labels we put on ourselves or, or the labels because of what we've done or, or what we've been and so we become labeled legion. And despite the restoring and transforming and delivering work of Jesus in us on the cross when we trust his death and resurrection on our behalf, we still believe the label instead of the truth. In John 8, 31 and 32, in the message translation, I like it, it's a real modern translation, it says, if you stick with this, living out what I tell you, Jesus says, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth and the truth will free you. If you stick with the truth, that is declared in this book of who we are in Jesus when we trust in his death and resurrection on our behalf, then that's who we are. And if we, ex if, if we stick with that, we will experience for ourselves this truth, and this truth will free us. When we thought freedom wasn't impossible, all we was was the label. What is the truth about our identity? Well, according to the Word of God, our identity is wrapped up in who we are in Jesus when we put our faith in Jesus, what He did on the cross and rising from the dead. In Galatians 2.20, it says, and this is a great verse, you might want to memorize this verse if you're struggling with your identity, with a label. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. When he died on the cross for my sins, I died with him, spiritually. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. The past, the labels. But Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, trusting Him who loved me and gave Himself for me, that, that He is my identity and my identity is in Him. It's not in my past or what others say about me. There's a question. Would your problems, would your addictions, would your bondage be over if you died. Well, it's pretty obvious, right? Of course, if you died, your problems are over if you're in Christ. <laughs> your addictions are gone. Your problems are solved. Would your problems, addictions be over if you died? Absolutely. Well, this is the good news. According to Galatians 2.20, you died. If you're in Christ, the truth is you've been crucified with Christ and you no longer live. But Christ lives in you. 
Your identity is in Christ. And so for, it's for us to live by faith in who we are, our identity that is ours in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. It's hard for us to believe that, isn't it? It's hard for us to believe that. It's so much easier for us to identify with how we struggle, with how we feel, with our past, then believe the truth of who we really are, what our identity really is in Christ, and believing that to walk in freedom in who we really are. Let me ask the question again, who are you? Who are you? Really, how do you perceive yourself? Who are you? Legion? Addict? Alcoholic, anorexic, liar, gambler, thief, cheat, sinner? In Christ, no. No. If you've believed, if you're identified with the death and resurrection of Jesus for you, you're a child of God. That's who you are, a new creation in Christ. Now, will you still sometimes lie, cheat, abuse eating, pop pills? Maybe, yes. But that's not who you are. It's what you still do sometimes. Believing the truth about our identity in Jesus is our hope of victory. Let me just repeat that. Believing the truth about our identity in Jesus is our victory. Do you believe it? Let's pray. Father, man, how can we say thanks for the hope and the freedom and the life and the victory and the forgiveness that is ours in Jesus, whoever we are, whatever we've been, whatever we've done, whoever we are, in Jesus, in his death and resurrection, our identity, child of God, our hope of victory. Oh, Father, Open our hearts. Help us to believe and walk in the truth of who we are in Jesus and not the labels that are put on us. In Jesus' name, amen.